and we are recording in progress recording with the wonderful and one and only Mr. Leo Zagami, who has been on here several times before. Um, uh, we've discussed your books, uh, Confessions of Illuminati. Uh, we, I think we've done four, five, six, and seven. We haven't done the first three yet. The links to all those will be in the description. And I see over your shoulder part eight. And I cannot recommend part seven enough. I've recommended it to a ton of people. You are a, you have, you are clairvoyant. You can see this stuff from a mile away. But with that, Mr. Zagami, please introduce yourself to the new listeners. Hello, everybody. It's always a pleasure to be with you and uh, with your viewers uh, that have followed, uh, like you said, my works uh, of literature <laughs> in uh, in such a detailed way. Uh, so we have actually covered quite a lot with you in the past, but uh, we have never really covered show business. And uh, this book is mainly about uh, art, about uh, what is supposed to be art. Sadly, is not any longer in the majority of cases. This book is about music, is about cinema, is about what happened in the last uh, hundred years, uh, how they have used uh, both uh, TV also later on, because TV is uh, later invention. But uh, uh, this book covers from the very start the cinema. It talks about how music was also manipulated. Frequencies have been manipulated to, uh, in a way, uh, uh, not only indoctrinate the masses to the arrival of the Antichrist, but also to make them less and less, uh, uh, let's say, in tune with what uh, uh, these forms uh, of art were supposed to, maybe especially music, uh, uh, which of course uh, has uh, has had uh, some great artists that have delivered some uh, some works that literally bring us brings us close to God. You know, when you hear some classic works of music by people like Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, uh, you 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 really feel in tune with God. However. It's also true that Wolfgang Avedeus Mozart was an Illuminati. So what went wrong between Mozart back then and uh, Beyonce or Jay-Z uh, today or what we have seen at the Grammy Awards? Well, we have a lot to cover, of course. So I will leave it to you on how you want to districate yourself through this book, which, of course, uh, has a lot of information. It's almost 700 pages. I have uh, uh, managed to leave this book uh, to, uh, to a relatively low price because, I mean, uh, $23 for an almost 700 pages book is definitely a very low price. But my intention is to spread it as wide as possible. And so for the first few months, of uh, me publishing this book, uh, I've uh, decided uh, that for the first few months, I will keep it at the lowest price possible. Something which I did also in Italy, but in Italy it came out uh, a month earlier. And now I have, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm forced because I mean, uh, today's uh, price for producing a book has gone really up. So take advantage of it for the moment. And also remember that this book has also over a thousand uh, citation footnotes that help the reader in eventually also going in a journey of uh, 
of uh, of uh, self discovery of uh, further study into these topics the the work that i have done at this time definitely is unusual because we are not really talking about who is supposed to be in what kind of order, uh, Illuminati, alleged memberships or human sacrifice. We, this book is based on facts and already the facts are pretty fascinating. And, uh, and they uh, start from uh, the moment in which uh, we uh, open the book and I explain in my introduction how I came to live in Palm Springs, and uh, Palm Springs, uh, who uh, once upon a time used to be, and still is uh, for many Hollywood actors, uh, a sort of uh, uh, two-hour away paradise that they could uh, uh, use whenever they wanted because uh, they had this two-hour rule in the film industry, and they couldn't really... Uh, go much further than Palm Springs but at the same time here in Palm Springs you had of course people like Frank Sinatra people like Elvis Presley living uh, and so many people who have of course also uh, characterized in some way this uh, city not last Liberace which made the whole city very camp in a way <laughs> later on <laughs> so I wanted to explain uh, the importance for me of being here, the fact that nowadays uh, uh, I've been closer to really also uh, the, 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 the source of my information for doing this book, because I started really studying this topic regarding Hollywood and the Illuminati and the New World Order and how it fitted in this whole thing uh, 10 years ago when I eventually came out with my first book on this topic in Italy in 2015, 14, between two, I think 2014. And it was a uh, something that I did uh, coming here in California, visiting California for three months, going in and out of Hollywood often, uh, meeting with the film producers, uh, uh, a lot of people also thanks to uh, Sean Stone, who gave me a hand, uh, the son of Oliver Stone. And so it, it's been a great experience for me, already the first book, uh, it was an eye-opener to actually see if there was some, some facts, you know, behind the legend, the myth, everything, you know, until you don't really touch it with your hand, until I see it with my eyes, I'm one of those... Uh, uh, people who don't really believe only in what they read on the internet or what they read on a book. I, I wanted to leave it firsthand. And I lived a lot of things firsthand in show business because, as you know, I was, before becoming a writer and investigative journalist, I was a record producer, I was a DJ, I was somebody who was uh, involved professionally with the music business for many, many years. And before that, I also had studied acting with my grandmother, who I dedicate this book to because she was, uh, in a way, the person who introduced me to the secrets of show business, gave me my first Alistair Crowley book, made me understand what was really behind this facade, this illusion that, uh, of course, they were trying to feed us through the through the screens uh, of both uh, TV and cinema. Now, in uh, this uh, book, I uh, go very much in depth in, uh, in, in explaining how 
the, the actual Hollywood business was born um, over 100 years ago with people uh, that were though from a specific uh, ethnic or cultural and religious background because this became the playground, Hollywood became the playground of the Sabbatean Frankists who are a specific heresy within Judaism, which I already, as you know, talked about in volume seven. I explained also in detail in volume four. And I'm now able to also explain to our readers how there is all these misconceptions also on the figure of, of the Jew in Hollywood. You know, the Jewish person in Hollywood is seen as like the guy who dominates everything. And at times, because of this, you have also uh, anti-Semite uh, uh, kind of feelings. Uh, not, uh, I mean, not that uh, at times they can be from inside the actual industry, rarely, because nobody wants to expose themselves against such thing. But it becomes also for me important to correct when there is a, 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 a wrong kind of perspective. In this case, Kanye West gave me also the input with what he said, with the way he denounced uh, the whole Jewish world. And I wanted to correct him, I wanted to say no, there is actually an heresy within the Jewish world, but there is many heresies within the Christian world. There is many heresies in the Islamic world. Heresies and, and, and people who uh, conduct themselves in a sectarian way are present in all the religions, not only in the Abrahamic, Abrahamic faiths. It's, 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 a, it's something that is typical, that this happens. Now, when it comes to Judaism, it has a particularly strong connotation because of the influence uh, that the uh, Jewish community has had uh, very much, especially when it comes to show business. And so for me to explain a little bit further uh, the Sabbatian Frankist, the way that uh, all this also meets up with Telema, with Alistair Crowley, with, uh, with, the, with another we can't even call it an heresy because it was a brand new philosophy, religion that Crowley uh, said he was the prophet of. Uh, that became, however, very much the, uh, the, the holy book, the, the volume, uh, the, the sacred book of the law of all these people involved in this way of life in Hollywood. So the book of the law was transmitted to Alistair Crowley channeling basically it's uh, something that happens uh, we know that people channel things in this case Crowley had done a ritual and suddenly he found his wife channeling this book in 1904 this book uh, for a number of years Crowley put aside and uh, eventually between 1909 and 1910 he not only took out of uh, he apparently he had left it somewhere and he just kind of revamped it when he found it out, found out that this was a relevant text for him. However, 1909 and 1910 are also the years in which he also did the ritual in North, Northern Africa to invoke the demon of the abyss, Koronzo. 1910 was also the year in which he performed publicly the Eloise's rites in London and Caxton Hall. It was the first time that a magician did the public 
ceremony uh, in that way and also such a extraordinary way because he was cutting himself like Marilyn Manson taking peyote like a rock star and and so I wanted to explain that really this whole uh, problem is born out of uh, that period of time in which also in 1909 D.W. Griffith Freemason and the filmmaker will land in what will later become Hollywood and that is the moment in which Hollywood is born. He will film in all California, which is his first movie. Then later on, he will film other movies, especially in 1915, The Birth of a Nation, dedicated to the KKK, first film to ever be screened at the White House, which paraded the, the, the KKK as heroes. And then you have in 1916, Intolerance, which also talks about Babylon and so all this scenography of Babylon, the gates of Babylon, the elephants of Easter, everything was portrayed and, and of course it was shown to, uh, to the people in, in a way without any graphic design, the graphic tricks because you needed to have uh, 10,000 actors to do certain scenes and that's what he did. He called 10,000 actors for an incredible movie. That's that that scenography then stayed there for years and it's the scenography that inspired the myth of the hollywood babylon and later on in 1991 uh, kenneth anger who made uh, uh, really launched this myth with his two books uh, hollywood babylon one and two which also talked about really what was behind uh, hollywood what, what was behind hollywood all the scandals that uh, really uh, were behind the illusion that Hollywood was all this uh, beauty and innocence when it was in reality far from it. And so Kenneth Anger is a member of the OTO. Kenneth Anger is a film director of underground films, for those who don't know him. But in reality, those underground films are rituals. And amongst these rituals, there is, of course, the invocation of my demon brother, Lucifer Rising, films dedicated to the birth of the Antichrist uh, and uh, films that saw the participation of people who ended up in uh, the Manson family. Manson family, who of course, is connected to Charles Manson, who himself, as you know, wanted to become a musician, wanted to, uh, in some way, join the, the Beach Boys' uh, success was... Uh, uh, infatuated with becoming a rock star, something that he never managed. But at the same time, he was also somebody who was involved with the lodge of the OTO called the Solar Lodge. Uh, the OTO in itself didn't really uh, constitute itself formally and officially here in the United States with the Grand Lodge until 1977. So everything that came before that was... Uh, people uh, that at times uh, were uh, doing their own thing in separate lodges around, of course, at the time of Crowley, the first lodges that sprang up here in the United States, the most relevant ones were in California and especially in Hollywood because that's where uh, they performed the first Gnostic Mass. So just a second, I want to do something here. You're good. Just a You're good. 
yeah for everybody listening <clears throat> i put the links to all of uh leo's books in the description i i mean i said it before i can't recommend volume seven enough it is the most comprehensive like total Oh, just scared me. Um, he, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I just, I just well, jumped. It was, it was, it was simply that I had to go and sort out a little bit of condition because we are living here in the desert and and we had the, the snow until uh, coming in. Uh, unusually in Southern California, as you know, a lot of bad weather, but now the sun is kind of resurfacing. So. I had to just put it on. Uh, like I said, uh, volume eight is a book that uh, wants to bring you from the very early roots of uh, uh, this uh, this Hollywood creation, which is also cult, as well as the roots of rock music, which comes from from rhythm and blues, from blues, which itself is said to be uh, the result of a pact with the devil. <laughs> the famous uh, uh, musicians who met at the crossroads, signing their soul to the devil for some talent. And, uh, uh, and, and all this uh, goes beyond the simple myth or legend. There is evidence. There is then a big figure, of course, uh, that we all know about, which is Elvis Presley. Like I said, he, he used to live here in Palm Springs, and Elvis Presley was the first guy to really experiment with the audience uh, this uh, frenetic uh, uh, new uh, love for, uh, for 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 a star for a rock star for for somebody who who became of course almost like a living god for the people who were following him and and and, and, and at times all this was though created artificially I mean, uh, when the case of the Beatles, for example, uh, they arrived here in America and suddenly we have those uh, scenes that still people talk about uh, uh, girls tearing, uh, you know, their hair apart. They were like ah, screaming, crying. Now, like I said, uh, like I wrote in my book, this was often uh, very well crafted and arranged by not only the record labels, but also by the military industrial complex behind the record labels. For, for me, uh, the, the moment in which I started this book, the first thing I had to explain was the connection that goes between the big record companies, the big movie companies, the big studios, and the military industrial complex. Uh, a, a connection that starts right from the beginning when it comes to Hollywood, because uh, from the movie I started earlier, Birth of a Nation, that was the first collaboration with, with the American military. And later on, uh, the Pentagon will establish a permanent office in Hollywood. I talk about that also in my book. So these are things that are connected with the military industrial complex, but also with certain families that also had a, a lot of influence. Uh, the big uh, families like the Rockefeller, the Rothschild, and so on, that had a big influence in not only the banking system, as we all imagine, but also in the TV, uh, the birth of, of television, in the birth of radio, RCA. I mean, we are talking right from the start. The Rockefeller Foundation had a say in all this. So I, I, I think that people uh, need to realize all these connections. And at the same time, they need to realize that this is not only... 
uh, I mean, it's called from the rise of the Antichrist to the sound of the devil and the great reset. So, of course, we have uh, my own uh, approach, which is fundamentally Christian, but also is an approach that uh, nobody can debunk, even if they, they are not Christian, because here we are talking, we are laying down simply facts, facts that brings us, uh, bring us to, to also a radical transformation of uh, of what Hollywood was when they brought into this whole uh, after the war in the fifties and sixties they brought into the whole uh, uh, Hollywood business the LSD phenomenon that manifested in a time in which modern Satanism was starting to move from those intellectual that intellectual approach that we had with Alistair Crowley with other people um, who were still like not openly satanist as Anton LaVey Anton LaVey became the showman of satanism for Hollywood and for satanism in general with his satanic bible later on with the foundation of the church of satan in 1966 with his uh, uh, alleged participation to Rosemary's Baby, we have basically somebody who uh, made out of uh, the hyper-transgression, nihilism and materialism, his, uh, his way of life, just like Alistair Crowley. But the difference is, uh, the difference with uh, somebody like Alistair Crowley is that he was trying to be more reachable by the common folk more understandable by the common folk. I mean, the, 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 the a person with not so much culture will probably dismiss Crowley as a bunch of uh, confused, not understandable stuff because they would simply not be able to interpret what Crowley was trying to do. Uh, but instead, the way the Church of Satan is clear. What he's trying to do is to push uh, Satan at the center of modern society and to make him more acceptable. So you couldn't really criticize Anton LaVey or the Church of Satan simply because under the freedom of religion, they masqueraded themselves as very innocent and at times claiming even um, a morality that the Christians didn't have in certain topics, uh, which is completely ridiculous. Something that later on was this way of bringing Satanism to the masses was, of course, picked up later on by the Satanic Temple, which is uh, also described in my book as the third phase of modern Satanism, because we have the second phase in the middle of the 70s with the Michael Aquino, which is still a very intellectual phase, because, I mean, uh, the, the Temple of Set is... It's not as openly uh, satanic as the Church of Satan, but at the same time, uh, and at the same time, retains a lot of the elements of Telema, of Alistair Crowley, that in some way Michael Aquino wanted to propose Satanism for people from the military mm -hmm. intelligence, uh, from uh, uh, medium high kind of level, of academic level, and that's how the. the, the the satanic temple then manifested instead later on 10 years ago because the church of satan was seen as having been 
overly commercial and having basically become a joke for Satanists because it was just like, okay, you pay uh, your yearly fee, you get a card and that's it. You are part of the club. It's like a Mickey Mouse club. Um, instead, the, 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 the Temple of Set was overly elitarian, elitist. You know, he went to present the Temple of Set on Oprah Winfrey in the 80s and 90s. He was uh, guested at the height of the satanic ritual abuse care on TV. Uh, with also the daughter of Anton Lavey, who, who became uh, later on uh, the, 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 the Zina Lavey, became the head of the for a period of time of this, the of this temple set. But it wasn't enough to manifest what instead became ten years ago the idea of Lucian Greaves, um, which is to to basically create. Uh, a also a lobby that can lobby politicians that can promote things like an abortion clinic uh, uh, promote under the disguise of satanism or uh, or uh, present a documentary that basically uh, participate to documentary that will be presented at the sundance festival and literally work hand in hand with the politics of the democratic party this is what the satanic temple is today when they uh, also show up with their uh, Baphomet statue with the little children and, and also when they prey on children literally by forcing schools uh, to accept the satanic after school uh, uh, project that they have put together. But this is the last phase of modern Satanism. It's the acceptance, it's the lobbying, it's the, it's the fact that now they are not scared anymore of who they are and that would not have happened without Anton LaVey, of course, starting this process. Anton LaVey, like I explained in my book, was somebody who came from the, 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 the Crowley milieu, let's say the milieu, that, the OTO milieu of Berkeley, the people who later on will have, will have established the OTO in America as we know it, were hanging out with Anton LaVey, but Anton LaVey didn't see the philosophy of Telema as effective as its own. Instead, we see in recent years that Telema is always there in Hollywood, is present, it continues to be present, and continues to be also appreciated by artists, actors like James Franco, and who very much are openly uh, endorsing it even arriving to the point of doing rituals uh, for a video with Kenneth Anger, for a music video, also public ritual that he said that he didn't participate at the end, but that's a bit doubtful in Venice Beach in 2012, uh, wanting to mimic what Crowley was trying to do pub with his public ritual in Caxton Hall. In a place like Venice Beach that is connected in a way to rebellion, to rock music, through the doors, for Jimmy Page, who himself was connected to the military industrial complex through his father, but also through Alistair Crowley, because he was a great fan of it. So as you can see, uh, the, the, the rise of the Antichrist has definitely seen a, a permanent uh, fixture of Alistair Crowley in uh, all the various... Uh, uh, 
places uh, where where art is made, but especially where modern art is made, Crowley has been definitely regarded uh, very highly, especially when it comes to electronic music. In my book, I have a whole section dedicated to the very early rave scene, how uh, certain groups were influenced uh, by the secret society known as the Temple of Psychic Youth, which was founded by Genesis Piori. Genesis Piori was uh, somebody very close to the head of the OTO, the current head of the OTO, and William Brees. And at the same time, he was somebody who uh, wanted to break the boundaries uh, of everything. Uh, he, he went into a transformation of his own body, wanting to become like his own wife, borrowing body parts, uh, becoming a woman. Uh, he died uh, now a couple of years ago, three years ago during the pandemic. But uh, Genesis P. Orridge is definitely a very influential figure. I had the opportunity to meet him uh, with my grandmother because Genesis Piorridge was connected also to um, Brian Geisen and William Barros, creators of the cut-up technique, aside from being uh, very famous uh, figures of the beat uh, of the beat milieu of that beat hotel, which launched the beatniks, which launched a whole way of life here in America that then had the follow-up with the hippie generation. And that's why people uh, have the erroneous idea that all these things were, uh, you know, like Woodstock, like uh, the, these concerts that came uh, at the end of the 60s that were truly acts of revolution and that the people were really rebelling and that this flower power was really genuine. It was complete nonsense. Behind the scenes... Uh, in San Francisco in 1966, you had the Church of Satan. Yes, you had, of course, the flower power out there, but then you had the dark side. And in fact, eventually, that dark side of the Age of Aquarius uh, surfaced uh, with uh, the Charles Manson murders that they conducted by the, the, his, uh, his infamous family, by, by his uh, sect that he had created, in a way. So there was... Uh, uh, all these communes with people, uh, you know, they used to live with each other uh, in an hippish way, but a lot of them were also infiltrated by gurus, by sects, by various satanists and occultists that uh, were using, of course, uh, these, uh, these communes uh, where people were hanging around together, living together. I mean, the air to the OTO in America was Carl Kerner, uh, was somebody who Alistair Crowley trusted very much. And uh, he, he kind of like was letting, uh, in a way, the OTO maybe dying because the interest of uh, Crowley with the OTO after, uh, of course, his death, he left this uh, guy in charge of everything. But then uh, this guy wasn't really interested in uh, carrying it so much on. And then what happened was, though, that uh, at one point, uh, uh, Charles Manson arrived into the equation. Charles Manson stole, apparently, some of, old, of the old Crowley paraphernalia, which was left 
in the home of this uh, uh, of this uh, of the wife of this person who died, who was the head of the OTO. So imagine the, there's all these connections with the occult that a lot of people don't know about, and that I hope that the people will learn more about with my book. I had a lot of people complimenting me about this book because I have made it in in a way that people can really trust the information that I can, uh, I'm putting together. And I hope that they understand that it took years and years of work to put together something like that. So I hope that it's appreciated. But like I said, what happened was, uh, uh, was uh, of course, uh, depicted also the rise of the antichrist through a film which is rosemary rosemary's baby it is really an account of how an antichrist can be brought to this planet you know it was a fictional account but there was some truth to it and that truth was depicted in an underground film which was called lucifer rising which uh, this guy called bobby besoleil stole brought to the Death Valley here in Southern California, buried. And then the leftovers of that film, Kenneth Anger made of those leftovers, an underground film, which you can still find online, which is called Invocation of My Demon Brother. Now, we're not talking about any kind of film. I mean, apart from Bobby Bessolero, who later was arrested because he participated to the murders, the Manson family murders, against, I think, a guitarist in LA, who they tortured and murdered. But the thing is that that film uh, had the music of Mick Jagger was filmed in the Russian, the former Russian embassy in San Francisco. There was uh, on, the, on, the, on the stage Anton LaVey, Kenneth Anger doing rituals to invoke the arrival of this Antichrist, also using the energy, the negative energy that was been triggered by the war in Vietnam. Uh, the film, like I said, was stolen, The Lucifer Rising. It became another film, but then he didn't stop from doing Lucifer Rising. He actually went on, and I, in my book, I explain how the film took a few years, but in the end, thanks also to the help of Jimmy Page, who guested for a few years in his basement, uh, Kenneth Tang, this film was eventually made and it's a 45 minutes, 40 minutes. I mean, it's a very short film, but it's done very much with details that take ages to put together in the way that, the, that it's more of a ritual than actually a film. And the significance of it, uh, of course, becomes clear to the people who know about, uh, uh, about certain things that I personally uh, try to explain in this book. So uh, I say at the beginning of this book, uh, enjoy the ride because life is full of bumps and enjoy the ride also like Riders of the St on the Storm, which is the title of the sixth album of The Doors. Uh, a lot of these artists later on ended up dying at a very early age. They have also this diabolical synchronicity with the number 27, with the age 20. You know, they reached the 27 years of age and they seem to have some kind of synchronicity that is uh, 
connected to it. So I uh, think that uh, I gave you a very much an introduction to, to, to all of the book. Uh, if you want to go to any specific parts, uh, please ask because uh, the importance of this book is laid out in every chapter and there is um, seven chapters. We talk also about the, the the last chapter I talk about artificial intelligence and the Hollywood metaverse, which is also an interesting topic, as well as the topic of trying to identify a possible uh, candidate to the Antichrist, which is an almost impossible task because I don't think we will ever know who he is uh, until it's way too late for all of us. If you had to guess, what would the Antichrist be? Would it be, would it be a human? Would it be advanced AI? Would it be an alien intelligence? Well, like I said, uh, starting from volume six point sixty six, and then after with volume seven, I made it very clear. We have definitely an AI candidate to the figure of Cyber Satan, but then we have a human candidate for the figure of the Antichrist. They are two. Uh, I mean, it's a different thing to see the Antichrist coming to the earth alone and the Antichrist instead being raised by, uh, by a system, which we have seen also working within show business. And that's really why I say on the rise of the Antichrist to the sound of the devil and the great reset, uh, the, 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 the fact that I tried to explain how this rise of the Antichrist was aided by the, the music, by the certain music, certain cinema, how cinema was made to literally create uh, an America, which after the war was also a positive force. No? The, the cinema became positive force when it was pushing for the American dream. It became a negative force once uh, the LSD uh, element started to get inserted, which of course, offered us also some great artistic moments. Because, of course, when we see films like Apocalypse Now or films like Easy Rider, films that are connected to the consumption of, uh, of this drug, we see that definitely it made things different, less boring, more colorful. Films became different. And, of course, uh, we see also from the moment uh, of the rise of psychedelia, end of the 60s, then we have the decline, but we have then in the 80s the, the rise of another uh, subject which everybody starts talking about already from the end of the 70s onwards. The subject becomes uh, very much uh, promoted by Steven Spielberg, and I'm talking about UFOs. So it's almost like the subject of UFOs, it's, it's, it's triggered after there is a preparation stage, no? And in fact, people don't know this, but even Charles Manson, Charles Manson with the solar temp, with the, sorry, the solar lodge of the OTO, they seem to have had a UFO experience at one point, which is not very well known. But it is. Uh, it seems like a lot of people. Um, having used all these drugs and everything, having opened these doorways, these paths to the unknown, a little bit like they're doing nowadays with ayahuasca, 
in Hollywood, the consumption of psychedelics is coming back in fashion. It might not be anymore, maybe peyote, it might rather be ayahuasca, uh, but actually even LSD is coming back into fashion. And it seems like they're really pushing it like the new thing for all these liptards, like, you know, consume these drugs because they, like the latest thing I read uh, was like, uh, you should consume uh, psychedelic mushrooms because maybe they will help you uh, reset yourself and abandon uh, your bad habits of smoking. Hmm. So suddenly, you know, you are offered a psychedelic drug to stop smoking, to, to, to arrive to the point of resetting your system. I mean, it sounds like pretty weird, no? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, I've uh, seen so many of these uh, articles in the last couple of years here in California, especially of this increase yeah. uh, in, 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 in returning to psychedelics, like it is a new, uh, a new old way that is being kind of uh, taken back from the old times of which, of course, I, in my book, I, I go all the way to the roots, no? Of, uh, of of all this, uh, you have uh, people like Cary Grant uh, in the late 1950s uh, who set out uh, on a journey in search of his true self, uh, using not only hypnosis and yoga, but he began in, uh, be beginning also using LSD. And then, of course, uh, I talk about uh, the guru of it all, of LSD, Timothy Leary, turn on, tune in and drop out. Uh, the fact that uh, he was really a very ambiguous figure and there were other ambiguous figures that pushed LSD within uh, uh, the show business. There was a, a particular one which I talk about in my book called Alfred Matthew Haber. He died in 1982. He was considered the first pioneer in the use of LSD in the 1950s, but he also worked at various times for the Canadian Special Services, the United States Department of Justice, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, and the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS, which is the predecessor to the CIA. So, I mean, this guy wasn't so innocent. And he was the guy who went around and, and spread LSD and gave it to all the various uh, doctors who were interested in experimenting with this, uh, with this drug. I mean... Hubbard supplied psychiatrists who gave LSD to people like uh, Anais Winin, uh, uh, entertainers like Jack Nicholson, James Coburn, Lord Buckley, and of course, like I said, Cary Grant, who uh, even if he had this classic image on the screen, went on this uh, journey of self-discovery using massive doses of LSD. Um, I don't know why they are trying to do it now, if not for the simple fact that they were successful in transforming Hollywood and not transforming it for the better. Because yes, artistically speaking, uh, artistically speaking, we have to admit that of course, some artists made some great art, uh, art and music on LSD. I mean, sure. just listen to Led Zeppelin or Pink yeah. Floyd, you know, I mean, this is music that you couldn't do and, and you know it's just but at the same time the results of it all 
The result so with all is, a, is, is now a society with the completely wrong values. The values have been completely changed. The Hollywood, the conservative Hollywood uh, of uh, John Wayne, of other uh, Freemasons that, by the way, were, they were all Freemasons. The Warner Brothers were Freemasons and many others who really made Hollywood was transformed completely. And, uh, and uh, now we have... Uh, a woke Hollywood with the completely distorted values. That's why in my book I start uh, with uh, with a great uh, in-depth uh, explanation of uh, Walt Disney, of all the work that was carried also by Walt Disney against the communists. And then nowadays, instead, you have Walt Disney, which is a company that you can't go more woke than that. I mean, uh, and, and that's why in this book I talk about what the scientists have done. I mean, and, and what Walt Disney has tried to do in recent years, which is openly promoting Satanism, openly promote, promoting racism, openly promoting everything that is despicable and that is killing uh, one day at a time the American dream. They are not really an institution uh, like it used to be because Walt Disney was an institution in America and I mean, it was an American thing, you know, and nowadays it's not anymore. And, and, and this is uh, also the problem with Hollywood. Hollywood uh, had a central role in promoting Americanism, the American dream, and now has a central role in destroying it because now they've been bought out by Chinese, by uh, people from other countries who don't want America to prevail or the American way to prevail. And that's why now the World Economic Forum promotes films that are in other languages rather than English. That's why when you put on Netflix, you go and you go through the films and out of 10 films, you might find that half of them are not even in English. They are with sub subtitles and stuff. And it's done deliberately because they want to kill the American uh, way of life. They want to, of course... Uh, accuse everything that is uh, white, uh, English-speaking, uh, of racism, you know. Transform it. Talk Spanish. Do something else. Bring in a Chinese. Bring in a, a, somebody. I mean, it's all about, basically, equity. It's all about uh, this uh, woke uh, ideology that uh, continues to spread and ruin the art that is supposed to be making movies and uh, and so i i try to explain how the, the the lsd in a way was probably used by the military complex and the frankfurt school of thought which also is very important to explain i mean the frankfurt school of, of thought is something that i also try to explain in my book because it bears a lot of responsibilities. And how in that time, when they were taking all these LSD, they were having festivals like Woodstock that were completely orchestrated and manipulated. They were pushing for the new left here in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the US, for the, you know, the Black Panthers uh, and all these groups that believed they had to fight for the conquest of civil rights. But in reality, just like now we have Black Lives Matter, Antifa, who are all managed by the same system 
which is uh, developed uh, uh, to uh, to destroy, like I said, American society one step at a time. So I think I gave you a good uh, no. No, no, it's it beautiful. Um, um, <clears throat> could you, I guess, in the and then I'll obviously I'll, I'll grab the book and read it, and we'll we'll do another episode. Um. Could you describe or maybe go into the importance of it seems to be almost like predictive programming, like you said, prep the prep the world so that it's not that. The well, uh, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about predictive programming when it comes to Hollywood, because a lot of the films, a lot of the of the work, uh, also the, the, not only the, the, the when we talk about Hollywood these days, we have to talk about the movies, but we also have to talk about the, the TV series. Because now a lot of stuff is really TV rather than cinema oriented, even in Hollywood. Everything is kind of cataloged for, 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 uh, for, for the small screen. Uh, the predictive programming is not like a main feature of my book, though I cite it, of course, just like I cite backmasking, which is the technique where you... Uh, which you use as an artist, uh, especially when it came to vinyl, which you can then play reverse, simply mm-hmm. in the vinyl reverse, and you will hear the significance. Predictive programming is basically laying the seeds into your thought, into your unconscious, into your unconscious of something that will happen in the future. And so... In uh, in my book, I explain how, for example, you know, you went from uh, you went from uh, the, the, the Doctor Strange love approach to yeah. atomic uh, bombs to instead the modern approach, which was uh, seen in films like uh, uh, recent editions of Terminator from 2009, where nuclear bombs simply explode with no chalance in front of. Los Angeles, people continue doing whatever they're doing uh, uh, without giving it much thought because it's kind of like the normalization yeah. of the atomic bomb. Now, this is kind of disturbing predictive programming if you think about it yeah. because it means that they are trying to normalize something that they obviously think is going to happen sooner rather than later. And this is, of course, we have also seen predictive programming right in our faces with a comedian turned uh, actor comedian turned president which is Zelensky I explain in my book how he's connected to a Masonic order called the Order of Saint Stanislaw which is itself also uh, very powerful and strong uh, very basically was born between Poland and Ukraine in the 90s it was relaunched it was an order that pre-existed of course but it was relaunched as a Masonic order. Uh, and actually the symbol of it became the symbol of the Ukrainian ground forces. And uh, uh, in 2011, 12 years ago, the Russian politicians within, uh, sorry, the, the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian Russians, we can say, Ukrainian politicians who were closer to Russia, let's say, wanted to outlaw all these Masonic organizations, especially this one, because they saw it as a clear threat to the sovereignty 
uh, of Russia and the sovereignty of Ukraine because they were working on the dependency of somebody else. Somebody else was dictating what they were doing, and it was, of course, NATO together with the, the secret, especially the intelligence operatives from England, MI6. And uh, I myself went to dinner, I think, one or two times with the Grand Master I, I met in, 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 in a lodge in London of the Order of St. Stanislaw. At the time, uh, it was a gentleman called Steve Turner, and he was a member originally of Double Horizon, I think, the lodge Double Horizon, which is a known lodge of the United Kingdom Lodge of England. Then he had some problems with the United Kingdom Lodge of England because of uh, all his activities that he was doing that were clearly not really Masonic, but rather intelligence activities. And uh, though he managed to always uh, stay within the lodges of Freemasonry because at that point he simply got, I think, uh, uh, he got another uh, charter from uh, to as a Freemason from a Grand Lodge here in the US. I mean, he was, he was a strange character. I mean, I, I met him. He was a nice guy. I mean, to me, of course, he was a nice guy. We used to talk about Masonic stuff. We didn't used to talk about geopolitics with him, of course. But uh, I've uh, always uh, uh, I've always remembered the fact that he gave me the first time I met this card. And it was a card that on one side it had... He was also the grandmaster at, at that point of an Italian Masonic obedience. And the, in the International Order of St. Stanislaw, and I still have, I think, back in Italy, this card. And I was like, what is this International Order of St. Stanislaw? So I started to ask back then to get some information. And then I, I, I got the information that they were financed by George Soros, that they were basically working behind the Orange Revolutions. They were kind of spreading through Eastern Europe. So it wasn't only an intelligence project uh, of, uh, you know, English uh, or the MI6, which is the Foreign Intelligence Service in England, uh, the CIS. But it was also a project of George Soros. He was putting the money for all this. So the fact that uh, these uh, Russians, just before they, they then, uh, then in 2014, as you know, Zelensky and the people behind Zelensky, because Zelensky was still a comedian at that time, took over the show and they went after the, uh, the Russian territories, which are prevently Russian. And that's when the war really started. It didn't start, as, as you know, I mean, we can say that formally it started a year or so ago, more than, but it started already in 2014. And in this book, I wanted to explain how the Zelensky who goes in front of the Grammy Awards, Zelensky that goes in front of uh, the, the people from the show business. Uh, and he, he himself is a product of all that. So, I mean, he was acting as a comedian in the role of the president for a number of years to normalize what he will be doing later on. It, yeah. it is predictive programming, if you think about it, because you are preparing a whole nation and... And when we go and see who was the producers behind that show, we see that, of course, they are linked to Soros, to an oligarch which is close to Soros. It's all people, his own production company with Zelenska, which is the wife. 
So, and all the people who are part of it became then his entourage, political entourage after that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's of course, uh, uh, very clear what they were doing. Uh, and, and then you have uh, the, the fact that Hollywood bows down to anything Zelensky says. We saw it with Sean Penn going there from the first days of the war, always present, filming everything, and then making this film that was presented recently in Berlin uh, with the great applause and people, wow, Zelensky, what a great hero, what a great hero. And we know that that's not the case. I'm sorry to say, it's not the case. The, the, the guy's a crook. Uh, uh, they, they are basically using all this for the Great Reset. It's another tool of the Great Reset, which we have already talked about in Volume 7. So everything that I explained in Volume 7 goes in line also with what I'm trying to, to explain here in uh, Volume 8, which is basically the, the hidden roots of Hollywood, and also at the same time, uh, not only the hidden roots of Hollywood, but uh, also how the, the, the whole of show business has been always a tool in the hands of the system. Because of course, you know, we listen to music, we, 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 we view films, we, we would like to think that all oh, this is innocent entertainment, but it never is. So. I think that after you're going to read this book, like many other people, you will never see or listen to a song or see a movie or see a TV series or in the same way. Um, there is also a number of Masonic lodges which are cited, which of course uh, are connected to, to, to Hollywood, a number of sects, of, uh, and then there is, of course, people like Oprah Winfrey and the African-American fixation with the Illuminati, which comes also from the very important role that the Prince of Freemasonry, which is a separate branch of Freemasonry, for those who don't know, created because uh, in the regular lodges, when there was slavery, of course, black people were not uh, welcome in any regular lodge. And when these slaves started to become free, at that point, they wanted to, 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 to be initiated, but they couldn't find an initiation here. So they went, the first Freemasons, they went abroad. And, and this Freemason in particular, uh, Prince Hall created uh, what is basically Prince Hall Freemasonry. And uh, in this book, I explain how um, Freemasonry is connected with voodoo, especially the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite. Uh, so, aside from uh, the very roots of uh, this uh, American abolitionist and leader in the free black community in Boston who died in 1807, who founded the free, uh, free Prince of Freemason, you have also those, uh, the very much a big influence that uh, Haitian voodoo through certain people like Martin de Pasquale and others who were at the very basis of the ancient and accepted Scottish right, they had in the in, in, in the evolution of this right. And that's why 
you have the compass and the square also used in voodoo. You have certain Masonic symbolism in voodoo. Uh, and, and, and that is interesting because we know then that the voodoo and the animist religion have also participated in a way to, to the establishment of, uh, of music here in the U.S. because gospel music was born out of uh, singing the songs in the field, but singing them towards the Lord rather than towards their own deities simply because, simply because they didn't want to be persecuted. But in reality, they continued certain practices. And that's why voodoo, uh, voodoo, uh, because then you have various ways of pronouncing it that then define where it comes from, which part. And and here in America, it's it's, it's a very, it's, 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 I mean, it has a very important role. So uh, because it's connected with music, because we can say that blues started linked with voodoo, then it was important for me to explain how much voodoo was important for people like Alistair Crowley. People don't know this, but in the book of the law of Alistair Crowley that we discussed uh, earlier, which is the holy text, is considered like the sacred book of the modern Illuminati by all these people also in Hollywood, it literally says that voodoo is important in the first few lines. I mean, it, it, it says it clearly, Crowley states it, even if it's not supposed to, supposed to be Crowley because he's supposed to be channeling some deity, but they put forward the relevance of voodoo. And, 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 and then also the relevance of voodoo can be seen in, in many aspects of black music in particular. As well as uh, you can see uh, in, uh, in hip hop, for example, very much an influence of, um, of Freemasonry. Right from the start, how is it like the, the central figure in hip hop is called Master of Ceremony? <laughs> the first uh, rappers, Grandmaster Milly Mill, Grandmaster Flesh, mm. Grandmaster. So it's it's not it's not even hiding there. Uh, in uh, the, some of the great DJs that uh, made uh, house music uh, known to the world, uh, uh, there is a couple of Puerto Ricans. They're called masses at work. It's not a coincidence because they are all initiated into Prince Hall Freemasonry, and Prince Hall Freemasonry, on the contrary of. Uh, mainstream white Freemasonry was more underground, considered more underground because they were not recognized by the other Masonic institution until fairly recently. Uh, the first, uh, I think, two or three Grand Lodges to get recognized by the rest of the world Masonic establishment, the first two or three Prince Hall Masonic Lodges were recognized in the early 2000s, so not so long ago. Before that, that's why for each state in the US, you have a Prince Hall Grand Lodge and you have a regular Grand Lodge. But nowadays, they recognize each other because in the early 2000s, the United Grand Lodge of England said, 
well, we recognize Prince of Freemasonry as a regular. So now you better start recognizing it too in America because this is about racism. <gasps> racism? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you just put that into the equation and then it becomes all... Uh, and, and the news, the scoop that I can give you for this episode that uh, we can close down with the scoop uh, that I think will be important for all of you is uh, that uh, this month, apparently on the 8th of March or after the 8th of March, uh, we will have some big announcements made by the United Genealogy of England. Because the United Genealogy of England, for the first time, wants to recognize women in their lodges. Hmm. Now, the United Genealogy of England has been very much criticized uh, in the last few years, since uh, they made uh, this uh, very weird statement of acceptance, acceptance that if you are a woman that become a man or a man that become a woman, you can participate to their lodge. So gender, fluid, uh, transsexuals, whatever. But this also puts a big problem in front of the United Kingdom of India because the at that point, uh, if you accept a woman that become a man, then why don't you accept a woman? <laughs> it doesn't, you know. So apparently, this month, the United Kingdom of England is about to announce the recognition finally of women uh, in 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 the craft. However, I must also say that would have been a great thing. I would have said until a few years ago. But the problem is that whoever uh, who, who knows the history of Freemasonry knows very well that. Uh, the first people to accept women in Freemasonry were progressive liberal lodges and connected to the Grand Orient of France. The Grand Orient of France, a product of the Illuminati, a product also uh, of the Jesuits later, became very much with the Grand Lodge de France, the form of Freemasonry that mostly influenced the Second Vatican Council. And in this book, I have a whole chapter also about the Second Vatican Council because after the Second Vatican Council, the attitude towards music, towards the arts, completely changed in the church. You were not anymore facing the altar in Latin with the, the classic mass in Latin, but you were using the common vernacular, whatever you want to call it, language. And now, in the last couple of years, the Pope is even going after the Latin Mass. In my book, uh, I explain how uh, things change because the Second Vatican Council uh, sanctioned the Masonic takeover of the Church and also the Satanic takeover of the Church. And uh, at that point, uh, you had Bob Dylan performing in front of uh, John Paul II. Bob Dylan, who is clearly a Satanist by his own admission, somebody who made a pact with the devil. So I think that uh, at the end of this book, you'll be left thinking, so what should I listen now? Well, you can listen also to music that is still positively tuned, because I also have a whole section dedicated to 432 rather than 440 hertz in the tuning of the, uh, the which is also an interesting topic. So I think that uh, maybe for the next show we do together, you can go through the whole book Absolutely. and then we can discuss in details maybe those, because today I gave you a very general overview of the whole, of the whole book. 
I hope next time we can maybe go more in depth after you you read it and you study it and you understand the importance and relevance of this book, which took me many years of research and of work of personal experience because it's also the personal experience which I had with some of the people that I mentioned that also it's interesting, the fact that I was capable myself of meeting people like Boy George, the Pet Shop Boys, rather than the dancers of Duran Duran or Wild Boys. People don't know Wild Boys, Wild Boys. Wild Boys is a book of William Barrows. Boy was the, the main characters in the book of William Barrows. That's why Boy George launched even a fashion line with Boy. And, and the Pet Shop Boys, same thing, Boy. And they went around uh, and they were fans of Brian Geisen and William Barros. That's why I met them. And, 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 and so even the most innocent forms of music, which usually are said to be superficial, like the 80s, in reality are not superficial at all. And if you go and study them in detail, they have a lot of awkward stuff in them. So thank you so much for having me on uh, I love talking to you, Leo, and <clears throat> absolutely, I'll get the book and I'll I'll, I'll go through it. Um, I, I I've I've loved every book we've discussed so far, and uh, you truly are one of the most fascinating people I've ever had on this show. And I will say, two superlatives: you are the best dressed guest, and you have the coolest accent. I'm so jealous of your accent. I know I know you make fun of it, but I love your accent. I think it's so cool. I wish I had it. I wish I had it. Um, but yeah, I, I love it, man. You, you, you've poked fun at it before, you know, Chef Boyardi, but I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's great to listen to. Um, I, I, I wish you'd, uh, I wish you would narrate your books. If you ever put those like made audio books, you would be such a great narrator. It would be well, so incredible. It, it might be an interesting option. Maybe in the future, do who it, knows? Do it. I think that, uh, I think that the problem is that when we're talking about 700 pages book, it's like, it would take a long time to make yeah, such. It would, be, it would be worth it. It would be worth it. Would it. Be worth it, but it would take a long, long time. To it get. would. It would. I mean, it would be, but it would be it would be fantastic. Um, I think that uh, in 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 in, uh, in in this uh, experience of mine of writing all these books, this was the book that uh, I wanted to uh, really also be more careful with the content of, okay. because here we are talking about uh, people who are uh, most of them, I mean, not all of them, are not historical characters or the Fritz Lang of the situation, but most of the of uh, the people in this book are still alive and kicking. They're still part of the show business world, from Brad Pitt to to the, the to Madonna to to the Ronnie Stones to Paul McCartney. So when you write about these people, you have to be extremely accurate. Uh, otherwise, you can risk lawsuits. You can risk uh, provoking some unwanted situations. That's why uh, with this book, uh, I really wanted to be accurate, and I also wanted to give credibility to the idea that there is a conspiracy in the show business because I personally from the books that I read before that I managed to uh, to check out before I started my own book I never really found found anything that was satisfying because they were all too general or hypothetic this okay uh, Katie Perry said uh, this about the Luminati this other guy said this about the Luminati this other guy loves Satan but maybe he doesn't 
No, we need the facts. And the facts that are relayed on this book are accurate. And this should give the possibility to the readers also itself. Because in my book, sorry, uh, some okay. I, that I have uh, some I'm here with uh, the, the mic. Sorry. You're good. Oh, we should be okay. We should be on it. Yep. Okay. So, um, I, I, my, my intention was to finally give also the opportunity to shield yourself. So there is a way of listening to music. There's a way of viewing films. There's a way of interacting with show business without being harmed from it, which I try to explain during the whole course of the book, not only denouncing this whole world, but also teaching you how to shield yourself, your children, the younger people who are unfortunately the victims of uh, the Satanism that we see paraded now in front of us uh, uh, at the Grammy Awards uh, or all the way to the um, Rihanna dancing uh, in, the, uh, in the middle of, uh, of a game uh, which, uh, which should be only... Uh, entertainment but it's not any longer entertainment because their interest is to brainwash everybody and make them accept the normality of the ideology of the antichrist mm -hmm. we went from the conservative family portrayed on tv in the 50s to the family of today which is a non-family which is a non-family there is no family there is not uh, we went from the classic family that will sit around the table and have a meal to these families of people who are in front of the you know their kids are in front of the smartphone all day they don't even talk to each other uh, one thinks he's a man the other thinks he's a woman but he's born a, a woman then he's a, you know they have they're confused a lot of them want to suicide themselves hmm. there is a growing number of young people who simply can't take it any longer and just suicide themselves so instead then 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 then, then, then killing yourself why don't you learn the, the roots of the problem and find a solution for you and your friends your family yes, thank you sir. so much Tony. thank you leo i will send you an email after this and we'll uh we'll schedule the next one and i'll grab the book i'll read it and uh i can't wait to talk to you again after having read it Absolutely, because as you know, every time we have done that, every time you have uh, literally gone very much in depth through the books I previously discussed with you, you have done an excellent work also in highlighting so. certain aspects. Now, I tried today to highlight uh, what is the general content of it all, but I'm sure that you will be able to maybe highlight other elements. And so thank you so much for having me on today and we will see each other in the future for this uh, in-depth, uh, uh, how, how you want to call it, further discovery of volume eight. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. God I bless look, you. I look forward to it. God bless you too. Thank you so much, Leo. I'll email you. Thank you, sir. Guys, go grab the books in the description. Go check out his website, all that good stuff. Much Recording love. Thank stopped. you so much. Peace.